You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 123 and 124 of our Reading Through the Bible in a Year program. We're actually talking through the Bible, so we want to welcome you to being a part of the oral transmission. I'm trying to think of new words to say of ways to say it, but we are uh, talking about the story, and it's a pretty good story, I have to say. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty amazing story. So we're <laughs> at the end of Joshua, and uh, well, I'll let Matt tell us where we're I always jump Thanks, that. I know. Almost every show, I just want to <laughs> pretend that I'm doing this alone. All right, our Old Testament reading for today is Joshua chapter 23 through 24 in Judges chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 5. Judges riff. Mm, a new book riff. All right. Well, just to wrap things up with the sweet book of Joshua. Joshua, you know, leads the people. He gets to actually pick the fruit off the tree of faithfulness, okay. <laughs> as it were. Uh, he's the harvester because he leads the people over the Jordan River into the land, allots the land. Mm-hmm. And now uh, in chapter 23, he has some final things to say. There's been some years of kind of settling into the allotment. Yep. And it's it's time. So he summons all the leaders in chapter 23 and says, I'm old. You've yeah. seen what God has done. So be strong. Keep the book of Moses in front of you at all times. Some major things to recognize. Don't get lazy and don't just start marrying the people um, that were to be set apart for destruction. I had to drive them out of the land. Mm-hmm. There's people surrounding you. Please, you're not ready to intermarry, and to handle their gods. Yeah. You got to wipe out their gods and assimilate them to yourself first. So um, he's setting up, really, in his life now, he's not coming from a political point of view, but he's coming from um, like a, a purity, a spiritual purity point of view, gathering everybody. Please remember, the Lord fights for you, but he will not allow intermarriage and... Um, and if you do that, you'll miss out. Mm-hmm. But remember, God has uh, kept all of his word. Not one word has failed. All of the things God has promised has come true. So if that's the one thing you can get to your kids, now that you're settling, having babies, raising up the next generation, they didn't walk through the desert. They, didn't, they don't remember the stories mm-hmm. of the Exodus. You've got to tell them how we were formed and where we're going to and how we get to enjoy this lifestyle. And it, this is our land and yeah. we need to clear it from everyone else. Like, we don't make agreements. We don't just go, ah, uh, they're not really hurting us, so whatever. Right. Like, do not get lazy, because if you do that, God will stop driving them out. Well, he reminds them, too, of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, the blessings and the cursings mm-hmm. that come along with uh, trusting the Lord or not, and he says, you will be added to the list of countries to be expelled from the land. Mm-hmm. if you don't keep the Lord before you. But he's gracious and loving, and he keeps his promises. And it's really not too hard. Well, it's not too hard if you just cry out to him. So that's that's what I have for chapter 23. Uh, Is there anything? Um... In chapter 23, is this where he says... And remember, he's talking to the leaders, too. Like, you oh, guys no, go back okay. and tell all your tribes and no, tell your yeah. nations and tell all the little break up, breakout tribes within each tribe, tell them this. Like, you are the leaders. So he does that. And then 24 is where he has the covenant renewal with all the people. Like, 
now uh, this isn't like just the Congress. So he just mm-hmm. did that with the Congress, right? Mm-hmm. All the reps. Now go home, tell your people. Then he gathers everybody for a huge covenant renewal at Shechem. Okay. And when you hear the word Shechem, you should have a little ding, 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 ding in your brain because Shechem, even though we're only in the book of Je- uh, Joshua, Shechem has been a major player yeah. in the people S- of God. Since Genesis, what, 12? Genesis 12. I'll do the first one, and yeah. then I'll let you tell. Yeah. I'll set it up. Yeah. So in Genesis 12, Abraham, it's only 75. Mm-hmm. He, he has the promise of, a, of offspring, but he's still waiting for that promise. Mm-hmm. And God leads him into a Shechem, says, build a little altar, build up, because I'm going to give this land to your offspring mm-hmm. forever. Like, this is part of the land I'm going to give them. And so build an altar and remember it. So that's the first intro to Shechem. Yes. Shechem then comes up. Shechem comes up later with Jacob and his boys, uh, so the original founding fathers of the tribes. And this is where this is the city where Simeon and Levi abuse the covenantal sign of circumcision to wipe out an entire village. It's the town of Shechem. Yeah. They wipe out the town of Shechem using circumcision for revenge for their sister. Uh, and that's where Levi and Simeon are cursed. Is because of what they did there, so yeah. they are they receive a curse because of what they did at the city of Shechem, and then the next story of Shechem is actually not too far removed from that story, which is with Joseph. If you want to jump oh, in on this yeah. one, oh yeah. So Joseph, remember sweet little Joseph with this Technicolor coat, goes out looking for his brothers, sees them at Shechem, mm-hmm. says, "Hey brother," and they decide to throw him in a pit leave him for dead, Sound. cover his jacket in goat's blood to tell his dad, Jacob, that he's dead. But really, they sell him into slavery when that's how he goes down into Egypt. Yeah, so he's sold into slavery at Shechem. So the rest of the story for that, though, is Shechem is the place then where Joseph it dies to the people of God. Yes. But really, so Joseph is a type of Christ. He walks through death, mm-hmm. counted for dead, but is raised up to a position of importance and ends up saving the people of Israel in Egypt, only to bring them back to the promised land. But what Joseph said at his death was, hey boys, Ephraim, Manasseh, Mm -hmm. my brothers, make sure my bones are eventually buried in Shechem, Shechem, which is where we are now. So imagine Joshua gathering the people. It's over 400 and almost 50 years of history. Mm -hmm. So 450 years ago, this space was given to us through Abraham. Mm -hmm. It was abused and messed up by Levi, the tribes of Levi and Simeon. And Joseph, who saved his people, this is where it happened. And so we're going to bury his bones here and we're going to renew our covenant that is almost 450 years old. And we're going to set it apart as a city of refuge and give it to the tribe of Levi, where they will now take care of and protect the things of God and deal out real justice. So God redeems the land of Shechem, which has Crazy. been promised to his people, abused by the and confused with the covenantal signs, mixed with our own power to kill. Mm-hmm. He says, don't do that. It looks like we were dead, but we're brought back, and now we're setting this place apart as a city of refuge for the people who have been redeemed, the mm-hmm. Levites, who now carry all the covenant blessings and, and protection and mercy and judge proper judgment in the name of the Lord. Shechem. Man. That was just the oh, word loaded. Shechem. Yeah. yeah. Like, All right. So, next word well, in the me- sentence. Well, meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Joshua makes a list, too. He's like, so we're going to meet at Shechem, and I'm telling you, and he lists all the people, the Amorites, the Moabites, 
Jericho, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites, all the people. And he says, like, uh, the Lord has given them to us. And there's a great line where he says, I sent the hornet before you to grip the people with fear. And now mm-hmm. you're enjoying the land that you didn't even create. You get mm-hmm. to walk into it. That basically you have God's unmerited favor. He goes before you. He goes with you. He goes behind you. And then that interesting word, the hornet. So people, of course, everyone tries to break down what each thing means mm-hmm. throughout history. Some people think it's literal hornets. Why not? He's the God of creation. Other people think it's um, like, so like pestilence, or they think it's just the fear spread. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know how when a hornet flies into a room, yeah, there's always one person who's freaking out. Oh, hornet! Ah, it's going to sting. And then there's like one of us who's like, it's just a small animal. Swipe it with your hand. Yeah. Trust me. Be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. But uh, whatever it is, I think it's more that. I think they were gripped with fear. God set, like, the idea of a hornet in your car. Yeah. It's going to sting me. And so they were gripped with fear. But that's just a little detail that God's like, hey, I set it up. I went with you. Every word I gave you came true. Real success is not by your effort, mm-hmm. but it's going to be by the cross of Jesus. It's going to be by God's promises. And so our response is to have faith, to trust him, and to show gratitude and to recall all of God's victories to uh, especially our families. So yes. therefore, serve the Lord in sincerity and faithfulness. So therefore, put away all of the gods. Know that God's care for you. Know that mm-hmm. God's can do this. Throw them away. And that's where we get the great line that people put on their houses today. Mm-hmm. You, know, you might see it on a Christian house. I can think of a couple that have this verse. Yeah. What's the verse, Matt? Um, hold on. Choose you. Yeah, choose you this day who you will serve. Um and he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And mm. what's interesting is I've heard that verse, like, growing up most of my life. And it's I a never, great verse. It's I, a great verse. It's a really good verse. But I just never thought of it as something that Joshua stated at the end of his life. Yeah, I know. Interesting, right? Like, before he's going to die and before he leaves Israel to basically their own without a one leader, he's saying... Who are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the gods that your forefathers served? Or are you going to choose the Lord who saved you and nourished you and blessed you? Choose the gods that couldn't protect you from slavery. Mm-hmm. Choose the gods that allowed you to live under a severe hardship or in freedom. And then he says, therefore, we will serve the Lord. He is our God. And I do think like Josh, Joshua. I, I'm so close with Joshua that I call him Josh. Mm. Uh, Josh that and Caleb sense. are the only two guys left who... They chose the Lord, even back when they were yeah. spying out the land. Yeah. And so uh, now the people, because this is in front of everybody, um, confess and retell the story of God's word. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, we'll serve the Lord. He is our God. But then verse 19 in chapter uh, 24, yeah. the, for me, the needle on the record scratches. It's like we're all having a good time. Because Joshua, Josh, my boy, he says, you cannot... You are not able to serve the Lord. And they go, no, we will serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he does something so interesting. He's like, look, you're, you're going to struggle with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if I want you to marry yourself to it. I don't know if I want you to make these vows because you are so stubborn and you're so quick to turn away. I mean, this is what I want for you, but can you make these vows? And they said, yes, yes. And so he goes, fine. You are witnesses against yourself. Mm-hmm. You've chosen to serve the Lord. And then he says, uh, the stone, this stone is a witness. It has heard all that was read and said. So like 
the idea that they've been writing the Ten Words, yeah. the Ten Commandments on stones, but then they're making these covenant agreements, receiving the blessing, receive, and then understanding the curses that come with breaking that. But these stones will testify against you if you break them. Mm-hmm. Like The earth remembers everything that's said here, yes. which made me think Jesus says something when he walks into the triumphal entry, and the Pharisees are like, why are you allowing these people to worship you? You're yes. basically saying you're divine. And Jesus says, if these people don't worship me, the stones will. Yes. And I always just figured, oh, God's going to get his worship. But now I understand. The stones in that area have all witnessed God's covenant promises and his fulfillment of those promises for the people. And those stones, the earth will testify against you. <laughs> the earth will testify to the coming Savior. Yes. Even if you don't. Right. Yeah. That's so cool, man. It's hidden in the end of Joshua. Who would have thought? And then uh, we have, after these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. Yeah. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath Sarah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, because he's from the tribe of Ephraim. So they bury him in his allotted land, which is really cool. Is that, yeah. And then... Uh, and then it has this line about Israel actually served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. So all the guys who were close to Joshua yeah. and were set up by him, all the princes of the the tribes, like they all were committed to God and they served God for their entire lifetime so as e- well. Each of these books, too, is serving a purpose. So you got Joshua gets the allotment, it's mm-hmm. set up, and so it's good to know at the end, he's 110, the perfect age. Uh, according to like the Egyptians and everybody who lived at that time, they're like, you know, 110 means a good life. Yeah. He he does a couple things. Joseph's bones are buried in Shechem. Yes. Joshua, Eleazar, they're all buried. So these Joshua, Joseph, and Eleazar, who is the priests, he's the the, the second high priest after yeah. Aaron, right? Yes. They're all buried in the promises of God. They're buried in the promised land, mm-hmm. which is what happened to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Like. Yeah, you're buried. Even though you don't get that land yet, you're buried in the promises. We're buried in the promises of Christ. He has walked through death. It's really cool, um, even though it's not fully complete yet. And then as we go into Judges, the good news is, what did it say? There's a couple generations that serve the Lord. There's a generation after. Yeah. So there's at least a generation after Joshua that gets it. They're it's a solid 40 years, let's say, mm-hmm. right? Of like loving the Lord, appreciating where they're at, and, um, and really understanding Joshua and even Joseph. These are all types of Christ. They yeah. usher in the next promises of God, and they're able to do it by trusting the Lord. And so we just always look to the book of Joshua. The big, the big takeaways as we finish this book is that, man, Christ is the new Joshua who is saying... Uh, assuring us that God is with us and fighting on our behalf, conquering death, and giving us new life in the promises Mm -hmm. uh, of God. And so uh, Jesus becomes the new Joshua. But this is the end. So now what's going to happen to the people of God? But we got to celebrate the fact, unless there's anything else you want to say about Joshua. You just finished hearing the story of Joshua, and that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah, so good job. A Another deal. book done, man. We're, uh, we're just, we finished the Pentateuch, and now we're into the histories. But now is when, so we've had six good books, right? Or seven, counting Job. Seven mm-hmm. good Old Testament books. Yeah. 
And so far, it's all been like leading up. The people mm-hmm. of God are being formed. They're being cared for. They're having some uh, speed bumps like we all do. Life is complicated. But it's all moving forward. Yeah. Judges now is where we hit like midlife crisis. Yeah, we hit, we hit like, the... It's like the season of Lent. Like The massive roadblock. Right, because uh, God has set us up and now... We start off the book of Judges, which really means, we should just say, the word Judges means like, salva- like a, a savior. savior. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, like one of the uh, original titles for this book was The Princes. Like, it, it is kind of like a ruler right. kind of aspect, a savior, a prince, a warrior who uh, redeems a people. And, and the whole book starts off going like, now that Joshua's dead, who does go up before? Like they really needed that mediator, mm-hmm. Moses. When Moses was, when they yeah. said to Moses, "We can't hear directly from God," it freaks us out. Yeah, and that's that's good. Mm-hmm. So they really do long for, uh, and even we do, a mediator who can tell us, like, okay, what do we do? What's going mm-hmm. on? And so without Joshua, they're going. Who is going to lead us up into all this place? And and so I think like Judah and. And uh, said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me into the territory allotted to me and we'll fight against the Canaanites. So it starts off with Judah kind of taking they, they taking t- some leadership and they have success. They have to push out um, the kings. And yeah. I think it's Benjamin who doesn't get out. Uh, so the first we have, one who fails. Yeah, so we have Judah and they take a good amount of their territory with Simeon because Simeon has an allotment in the middle yeah, of right. Judah. Uh, they go up against... Uh, Adonai Bezek, yeah, which is uh, an interesting name. I think it means uh, Lord of Pebble, Lord of the Pebble. Nice. Um, which is funny. <laughs> that is funny. And it's kind of like, it's probably their uh, belittling nickname of the king. Okay. And again, it's within the same line of um, Melchizedek. And so he's probably actually a corrupt ancestor of Melchizedek who's around Jerusalem who's and they just all have those names of Adonai, Bezek, Adonai, right. Medizek or whatever. And uh, so it, what's interesting though and kind of concerning is that when they take Adonai Bezek, um, they cut off his thumbs and his big toes and kind of lead him around as like a servant, a slave. And... He's like, well, I did do this to like 70 other kings when I took them over. Right. So it makes sense that you guys are doing this to it's me. It's very telling. But it's starting to show like this is not something that God told them to do. Right. Like this is not a brutality that God, he I said like kill them, like kill them all, devote them to destruction, don't humiliate them. And so you're starting to see like with like cracks within the system of like they're starting to act like the nations that they're yes. taking over. It's like when your kids start talking like somebody and you're like, uh, I think you're hanging out with that kid too much. Yeah. I noticed that behavior. Well, you'll see that they start kind of assimilating to the kings and mm-hmm. doing things that way and disobeying the way God set up. But then there's another little scene. Um, you have to remind me, is this about Judah still taking land? They made a covenant with a man. Or was that Benjamin or No, that's uh that's Manasseh? Ephraim and Manasseh probably. So Ephraim and Manasseh. Well the point is is that one of them is trying it's to Ephraim. Ephraim is trying to take his land mm-hmm. and they see a guy uh, walking outside of the city and they decide to use him for information. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Hey, tell us 
what's going on. And, and then in exchange for the information on how to take over this place and defeat these people, we'll make a covenant with you that you're protected. Mm-hmm. And this was against God's word. Like you weren't supposed to do that. You're not supposed to save one. Um, yeah. As if that guy represents everybody. But what happened to me, I was reading this going, well, what's the difference between Rahab when they took Jericho? Right. And as we were talking uh, about this, the idea came up that Rahab was willingly confessing, we fear your God yes. and we want to be a part of your God. And that's different. This guy was like, oh yeah, I'll do whatever I have I'll to do for protection. Yeah, yeah, I'll sell out my people. It wasn't... Uh, and then he moves on. Honorable. He moves on and create recreates the town. Yeah, like further down the road, and they become a total thorn in the flesh of the people. Like he yeah. recreates the whole town, so it doesn't help at all. And it just reminds me of like for whatever the reason is, we get scared and we try to cheat it, or we're lazy, or we're overconfident. It's just like you got to do, you got to trust the Lord, even if it looks impossible. And they're unable to do that, so things are slowly kind of, and they're not noticeable at first. It's how it's mm-hmm. how the slow slide away from God always starts. It's just little things, and you're like, who cares? But it's going to add up because uh, Manasseh then fails to put to drive out everyone. Ephraim fails, Asher fails, Benjamin fails, Zebulun puts him into forced labor, Naphtali fails. Dan was completely pushed out of the inheritance. Yeah, Asher is susceptible to other gods, and you start to see they're unable to finish what they started yeah and i was starting to think about like oh are they just experiencing military defeat and they really are too strong or something like that but but no it's not because a lot of the places just say oh they didn't push them all the way out but they they end up becoming they they force the canaanites into slave labor they like they turn them all into slaves they were supposed to destroy them all but they decide to turn them all into slaves and what i'm realizing is oh it's again it's a kind of laziness and a you're making deals and you're going oh do we really have to kill them all like it would be better to just keep them alive and then they could work for us and they become slaves like yes we could have some slaves that's not a bad deal it's the old they aren't so bad and Mm -hmm. it's the old i tell you know my parents tell me not to eat candy before dinner i eat some candy i'm like it didn't ruin anything i still ate and then yada 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 40 years later i have no teeth Mm -hmm. and i have uh, all sorts of diabetes um, not literally. Yeah, okay. And so, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. So they're, they're starting to slip into a bad place, and then the angel of the Lord shows up. And so it, the idea is, up to this point, they still are under the blessing of God. He's still fighting for them. Mm-hmm. He's going to clear up the land. He's just waiting for them to call out. Yeah. And they don't. And so he has to show or up Or at now. least do the thing they told him to do. Because right. he specifically told them, do not make slaves of the Canaanites. Right. You Wipe got, them out. That's what you do with the neighboring Because you ones. can't handle their gods. Right. Because they're connected to that earth yes. in a very deep way. And you yes. need to cut the root. Like, you're, you're just pulling up the weeds, mm-hmm. not getting the weed ball. Mm-hmm. The roots. So um, he reminds them of the covenant. I swore to give you land. I swore to make no... I swore to you to make no covenants with the inhabitants of the land... Because otherwise, I was going to have to uh, drive you out. Mm-hmm. So the angel says, I'm done. I'm not going to drive them out. They will be a thorn in your side from now on, and their gods will shame you. Yeah. So it just ended. Mm-hmm. And the people know it, and they all weep. This is the worst possible situation. They fail. I mean, they sacrifice to God, but they're failing because of spiritual mm-hmm. weakness, not because of military weakness, not because they couldn't have done it, but because they rejected the Lord mm-hmm. and didn't take, didn't heed him. And so, um, 
you know, at the end of it, it's like they're trying to repent, but it's done. It got too out of control already. And uh, they're crying out to the Lord now to help. Yeah. And so that's what we do. Uh, so this sets it up. The rest of the judges then are, are going to be talking about the cycle of recognizing, I need to cry out to the Lord, and He is faithful and just to show up and help us. Mm-hmm. But um, usually it happens when we realize the enemy has gotten so close and that we've been lured into idolatry, which is really just uh, slavery to things that's overwhelming us. Yeah. But the hope is that the Lord's not going to... Uh, He's going to allow this to happen, but he's not going to leave them. He's going to continue right. to send prophets and um, judges. But we'll get to that on the next day's reading. That was good. We covered a lot. Yeah, we did. All right. Our New Testament passage is John chapter 3, verse 22 through chapter 4, verse 26. Okay, so a verse that... Um, I used to like, I still like it a lot, was when John, John says uh, about Jesus's ministry, he must, or he says, he must increase, I must decrease. Yeah. In today's, in John chapter three, it's just funny to see it for me now, the, um, the context keeps expanding. And really it's his disciples going, this guy that you baptized, John, is getting more disciples. And mm-hmm. he's his disciples are baptizing. Mm-hmm. Jesus never baptized anybody, yeah. which is really smart because we would have all like hyper-worshipped and respected the people that Jesus baptized three years later mm-hmm. when we all everyone knows who Jesus really is. Mm-hmm. And so I think Jesus was smart like that. Like, I'm baptizing with the Holy Spirit. You baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's, it was smart. Yes. But I realized that his disciples are going, he's, he's in competition with you. And that's why John goes, oh, no, he understands. He must, I want his business of rabbying mm-hmm. to be much better than mine because I came to announce him. I baptize with water. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and without measure. Yeah, That was the key verse in this one for me that he is from above, I am from below. Like he's totally understanding and identifying like He's from above, I'm from below, he must increase, I must decrease, he's going to baptize and pour out the Holy Spirit without measure, like not just one time, not just a repenting time in your life, but constantly, every day, being washed and cleansed of your sin and raised to life every time you ask, all day long, Mm -hmm. without measure. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, and I love, he, he says at the very end, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. I know. Like, we are in a condition of death. Yeah. We're born into death. As soon as but if ba- you want life, yeah. look to the Son. As soon as you're born, and that's the Nicodemus conversation. Mm-hmm. When you're born in the flesh, you're going, to, as soon as a baby's born, you know there's an expiration date. Mm-hmm. Because we're born into it. But that's mm-hmm. not right. We weren't created for death. And so Jesus gives us life. We're born into something eternal. Yep. Then, um, so that was a beautiful passage, I think. Yes. You, you could spend more time there. But I was really excited about uh, chapter 4 because of the geography oh, we've yeah. been learning and the Old so Testament good. we've been reading through. <laughs> it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So Jesus, and, and then you realize they walked around Samaria. Yeah. So, okay, yes. so you got the okay. north and the south, right? Mm-hmm. So we're jumping now. In the Old Testament, we're still talking about the tribes just getting their land. Yeah. But really, it's Judah is the south with Simeon yes. and Benjamin. Yes. 
And then the rest of them are all north. Yes. And the north is going to be destroyed first, and they're going to be assimilated and have all sorts of gods, and it's mm-hmm. all going to fall apart for them, we'll learn, in the rest of the histories. But the, the true Judah, that's why we call them Jews, is because mm-hmm. really the tribe of Judah is the only one that lasts. Yes. So we call them Correct. Jews. Um, that, but the Israelites, they would then walk around. They hated what happened in the north so mm-hmm. much that they would avoid it. Yeah. So there was like a pocket of Jews that were above Samaria right. in Galilee, where Jesus did most of his ministry. Mm-hmm. And so to go from Galilee to Judah, like basically from Galilee to Jerusalem, because that's basically where they wanted to go, right. uh, they would walk around the middle, which was Samaria because uh, they didn't want anything to do with the Samaritans. But Jesus is like, all right, it's time to move on. Let's go down to Jerusalem, and I'm not walking around. I'm going straight through the middle of Samaria. That's what we're doing, because that's who I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's almost as bad as mixing with uh, the Gentile nations. Yeah. Oh, well, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And so he goes to the well. Jacob's well. Jacob's well, which, if you've been listening... <laughs> is right in between the mountains of blessing and cursing. Yes. The mountain, Mount uh, Ebal mm-hmm. and Mount Gerizim. Mm-hmm. This is where she lives. Yeah. In, in the between. place where Moses had the people, or not Moses, Joshua, Joshua had the people yeah. say the blessings and the cursing. And this is a, a huge significance. And for the last, at this point, I mean, it's been like a thousand years, who knows how long, it's a thousand years or so mm-hmm. since then. But they still have Jacob's yeah. well there. They still are connected. And they're the people who believe only the Pentateuch mm-hmm. because that's where the mountains were. The most important mountains, religious mountains were there by the end of Deuteronomy. Yeah. And so that's where she's at. So Jesus breaks all the boundaries showing that he is here to save the world. Talks to a woman. Yeah, which is not supposed to be done. A rabbi does not speak publicly to a woman in this culture. And a Samaritan woman, <laughs> yeah. double. Like, you're getting filthy. Yeah, so he asks her for a drink of water. And she's shocked. Mm-hmm. She's shocked by the she-shell. Yeah, and uh, all of his disciples have actually went into the town to go find food because they're all hungry. They've been walking for a long time. I think it's like three o'clock? Yeah, it is, exactly. Yeah, or noon. No, it's noon. It's, it's uh, noon, yeah. because it's the... It's noon. The sixth hour yeah. is noon. It's noon. noon. Yep. Jesus is tired because he's in his humanity. Mm-hmm. Give me a drink, please. And uh, she's like, um, "Do you? What are you doing?" Yeah. And he says, <laughs> "He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and you and he would give you living water." Uh-huh. So he just goes right. I think he goes right for it because the the more you're on the margins. And the more you're kind of, I don't know, open. Mm-hmm. I think when you're when you're poor, when you're dismissed a little bit, you're more open to any kind of attention, anything. Mm-hmm. And so he's able to say to her, uh, "If you knew who you're talking to, I'd give you water." And then she she understands like the theology of that land. Yeah, and and again, I want to because I've never understood this, but when he uses the term "living water," like I've always just it's spiritual. spiritualized right. it. No. But living water means running water. Yeah. Like water that's clean, that's been purified, that's been running through rocks and being... Like, it's a very physical term. A spring that would produce mm-hmm. water without measure. You can just keep drinking it's it. It's living and it's water. Clean, right. And it's clean and it's ready to drink. And yeah. so he's saying, I would give you the living water. 
And that's what is a big deal about this well, is this well is producing living water. Right. And so she's like, what, what water could you give me that this well couldn't? And she understands something beyond, like, mm-hmm. okay, there's the physical thing. that She's doing what Nicodemus did. Like, oh, how are you going to do this? You don't have anything to draw with. But then she connects it to the spiritual thing. Are you greater than Jacob? Yeah. And it's almost like, wow, lady, you are understanding this. <laughs> yes, I am greater than Jacob. Uh-huh. Because she's like, he gave us the well to drink from it and did his sons, uh, as did his sons and his lifestyle. In other words, Jacob gave us something that for a thousand years has lasted. Has lasted and we've built up people. His sons, generations have drank from this. Yes. You, how could you surpass that? And then Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give him will become in him. This is where Jesus flips it to spiritual. In yeah. you will be a spring of fresh water. What? Give me this. I would like that. Go and call your husbands. Or he says, go and call your husband. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like, uh, I don't have a husband. He's like, that's right. I know you have five husbands. And right now you're with someone who's not your husband. She's like, okay, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> like, I'm getting a sign that you might be a prophet. But then she connects, like, you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So she knows you're a Jew. You think Mount... Uh, Zion. Zion and where Jerusalem is located is the true mountain of God. We think Ebal and Gerizim, yeah, uh, yeah Gerizim, Gerizim is yeah. the real is the real mountain of God. So we, we, where are you a prophet from? Mm-hmm. Like, who are you? Where should we worship? Yeah, like okay, you're a prophet. Just tell me what to do. I get mm-hmm. it. I get it. And he's like, okay, believe me, it's neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. He's like, neither of these mountains is where you're going to worship the Father, mm-hmm. which is mind-blowing. This is a huge shift. He says, uh, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Mm-hmm. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. She's like, whoa, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. And he says, I who speak to you am he. And that's where we stopped. Yes. But we're connecting it to Jesus saying, the faith that moves mountains. Mm -hmm. Here it is. This is one of his first, she, well, I mean, we'll learn in the next couple days. She becomes one of the first, like, evangelists. Yes. But because the mountain is moved, faith moves the mountain where we meet with God. It's not going to be where it was in Deuteronomy. It's not going to be where it was in the histories and up to this point. It's going to be in spirit. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and I'm going to give you my word and you're going to worship me wherever you gather around these things. Mm -hmm. Wherever. Because the boundaries are not located around a mountain anymore. It's the whole earth. Mm. (sighs) Okay, sorry. Some connections we just made, but it's from a later story. Don't forget. I'm not going to forget. It's so great. So anyway, he ends with, yeah, I'm the Messiah. Her jaw drops, and she's like, you just told me, like, this is new information. Yes. And I mean, like, thousand years of not knowing this and now hearing this is, this is really new information. This is like, we didn't have a phone, and now we have a phone. (laughs) Amazing. So... That's the uh, that's that's what we'll do for today for John, right? Yep. 
right, so for today we're going to read Psalm 55, verses 12 through 23. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house we walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive. For evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them, he who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you again next time.